Welcome to another episode of the Point by Point Tennis Podcast. We are your hosts, Carlos and Jishnu. Uh, and on today's show, we are going to recap uh, the French Open Finals. Um, yeah. And it is another Grand Slam. It is another victory for the big three. And it's true. this time there was only one member available, and he was the one who capitalized. Uh, Novak Djokovic. Um, for all the hype that we had coming into this tournament for some other players... Yeah, uh, it is always, you know, Djokovic the man to beat, and he showed that again. So, incredible result for Djokovic there. Uh, and then on the women's side, we had Igas Viantek repeating as champion. Yep, it is her third French Open in four years. She's and she is the queen of clay. She's been playing unbelievable. It, that last match yeah. really was the icing on the cake for her. Yeah. But this time she had a challenge, so uh, I'm excited did. to talk about how um, Karolina Mukova made this a match and how she actually spoiled the match that everybody wanted to see. But I think she she played her part actually and and playing and making it a great final regardless. So Djokovic and Fiontek win um, the French Open. So we're gonna cover all of that. We're gonna focus on the finals. We also are going to focus as well uh, a little bit on. Uh, the match that everybody was waiting for this year. Yeah. It was the match the that seemed that never was going to happen, but it did happen finally. And it delivered for two it sets. It did. <laughs> <laughs> and Just then it bit. went downhill <laughs> yeah. after that. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well, uh, what we thought about the match between, um, if you haven't guessed already, we're talking about the match between Carlos Alcaraz and Novak Djokovic. Um so we'll talk about that. We'll talk a little bit about what we thought about Casper Ruud repeating as a finalist. Yeah. Um, so that was a great performance where I think a lot of people were overlooking Casper. Um, you know, and, and I think it was it, it was um, not baseless, uh, but it, it's great for him after all the struggles that he's been going through this year mm-hmm. to be able to repeat as a uh, French Open finalist. And I think make a better account of himself right in the final as compared to when he played his idol. Nadal last year. Yeah. So great stuff from Rude. We'll, we'll, like I said, we'll talk about also Carolina Mukova. Uh, I think it's safe to say that both you and I have become fans of Carolina Mukova. Uh, absolutely. She played fantastic tennis. Yeah. Um, and, and she has a very easy on the ice uh, game style. Uh, I'd say just in time, too. She she almost, you know, the match was almost slipping away for her, but yeah. she really delivered and that really was the theme for her because that also happened against sabalenka so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that we'll talk about how she fought with iga and made it very mm-hmm. competitive after looking like she was gonna lose very quickly um and then finally we'll talk a little bit about our final impressions about the french open uh just you know what were the biggest takeaways for for the both of us um and maybe talk a little bit of power rankings uh see w- what we feel are the best players going into the grass season the grass season um and maybe we'll touch a little bit upon the grass we're not gonna go into any draws or anything like that there have been some big tournaments uh we had um most notably i would say francis tiafo winning a title last week in in the grass and with that victory he enters the top 10 for the first time so i think that was a really yeah. big significant event uh happening uh i think we kind of all expected him to become top time player at some point after his showing last year at the u.s open um and the way he's continued to play um but we were not going to go into super deep dive uh we'll just talk a little bit about what's happening what we expect uh for the next few tournaments 
um, and we'll leave more of the grass talk for when we preview Wimbledon later on. Um, so with that, we can jump into the meat of the episode, and I think we have to start with Let's... the historic performance from, um, or maybe not the historic performance, but the historic milestone, right? Yeah. Um, number 23. Number 23 for Novak. Um, he also is the first man um, to win uh, three career Grand Slams. Uh, he was currently, I think it was only him and Nadal that had done it twice. Yeah. Uh, with with this French Open now, Djokovic has done it three times. So he, that means that he's won all Grand Slams at least three times. Um, what is uh, Nadal missing? Um, it would be two. It would be Australian and it would be Wimbledon, right? Because he's only won twice, Wimbledon both of those. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Djokovic now has three at least at every one, uh, I believe, Djokovic has three at the U.S. Open as well. Is that right? I think that's that's right. Um, so if he wants to get four, he would have to win U.S. Open this year and then French Open next year. Um, but I wouldn't put it past him. He could do it. <laughs> <laughs> I would not put it past him. But I think yeah. of more note, I would say that, you know, the calendar slam is a real possibility yeah. because he is the prohibited favorite going into Wimbledon. Um, I can't even think about anybody who could be even close to him um, yeah. to to win there. Uh, so it, it has to take a big dip from, from Djokovic or a really huge improvement from somebody like Alcaraz or Sinner um, and, th- and that level to be mm-hmm. able to, to challenge him. Um, and I just really don't see it this year. So it might come down to the U.S. Open for him one more time. Uh, yeah. So what what do you think about that possibility? Uh, yeah, I was just thinking about it, and I'm just sad that Nadal's not there. I know. Because he would be the other person, right, to challenge yeah. him. Um, yeah, he's he's looking like he is in great form, even though he didn't have his best, you know, clay court season leading up to the French Open. Um, he, I was actually kind of worried for him. Yeah. Right? Um, and the funny part is, which we'll go more into detail, is you know, when it came to the pressure and the excitement of that car, the Alcaraz and Djokovic match, the person to to um, physically show symptoms were was actually Alcaraz, not yeah. Djokovic. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I I think if he just takes care of his body, which he's done a stellar job of, you know, he has really good odds in his favor. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, with Djokovic, go, the the thing is you always give him the benefit of the doubt going into the Grand Slam, right? Because he's Djokovic. He's 123. Same thing with Nadal. Same thing with Federer when he was active, right? Um, you, it doesn't matter really what they do. Like, it matters for other players, right? It matters for the Alcarazes of the world, you know, mm-hmm. the Roots of the world, the Sinners, players that really have not shown this consistency at the Grand Slams yet because they're newer, right? They, they still need to, like, establish their name a little bit. Then you look more into form to see, like, can what can we expect from them? Mm-hmm. Um, a guy like Djokovic, it doesn't matter what he does in the clay yeah. season, right? It does, just doesn't matter. Um, the, the, the biggest concern that we had when we last discussed 
um you know the, the, the uh, it was the physical yeah. like we weren't really sure if he His was battling yeah uh, like an injury that might hamper him and that's different right that's different from him actually you know in terms of if he's healthy we know that he's it doesn't matter if he's not playing that great when he faces a big challenge he'll be ready for that challenge right um but it was the physical part that i was worried about um maybe we can go a little bit into the match with alcaraz right because that was like the such mm-hmm. the big um you know the, it it was the biggest sort of anticipation in terms of a match that we've seen probably since since Nadal and Djokovic last year at the French Open like that's I think that's this is the most anticipated match since then I would say mm. um and it lived up to it for two sets I think yeah I think Djokovic came into the match incredibly like his game plan was perfect in that first set and I think Alcaraz started the match a little bit too tight well not a little bit way too tight um and that's something that honestly I did not see coming because, right. you know, Djokovic when, is usually sometimes slow to start. Correct. Yes, yeah. and it, that was a pattern for him in this tournament. Actually, I mean, he lost the first set against Hashinov. He mm-hmm. played a little slow in the first few sets against Davidovich Volkina, even yeah. though he ended up winning them. But it, it, he started slow on them. He had to fight right. to get to the tie breaks and win them. Right. Um, but in this match, he knew like. Alcaraz is just he was just blowing by everybody right he last episode we we recapped the quarterfinals and we saw how he just absolutely demolished you know a number a top five player in Tsitsipas right right? Um, and the way that he made Musetti look in the round before that when Musetti was crushing everyone until playing Alcaraz and Alcaraz just made him look like nothing so Alcaraz like his level was there It, it, it was there and Djokovic was ready it was entertaining. It was great. And I I think what was amazing was, for me, Alcaraz, I mean, Djokovic was actually rushing. I mean, we talked about this was going to be a key for him, right? The center approach of not giving any ground from the baseline and just going aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. And redirecting Alcaraz's power, not letting him be established and not letting him, you know, rushing him. Yeah. And Djokovic did that beautifully in that first set in their match um and i think one of the things that really made me super excited about this match eventually was that in that second set akaras turned it around like he was ready mentally a lot of people would have just you know completely gone away but akaras was able to take that punch he lost the first set and he was able to put in his, his, himself in a position to serve for the set. He got broken and still overcome, overcame that mentally mm-hmm. and broke Djokovic back and was able to serve it out. I mean, when big. he did that, that was just uh, – that felt like it's big three back. level of yeah. tennis for, for those two sets. In the chess match and how they adjusted to each other. Um, and he had the momentum going into he the did. third. Yeah. Which but I I think what happened then was like he it was a big release to have won that set and the tension that he had been accumulating in his body it betrayed him at that point. Who knows? Yeah. Well, he said it. I mean, he said it, but yeah. I think it was I think it was that. Yeah. I think the tension of the match. Like Got literally to. I think Djokovic like his aura won his won him this match. 
um, because Alcaraz said it like I was super tense. I was super nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was because of the player who was playing on the other side of the net. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I take him out his word. Yeah, it looked like man- that. He has to manage that. Right. Yep. So. And uh, there's no problem with it. I mean, I th- at least for me, like, I don't know what you think, but I'm not worried at all about Alcaraz in this match. Um, mm-hmm. It's a learning experience. He's very young. And we can remember uh, when Djokovic had 19 years old or 20 years old, he went through a lot of this stuff. He cramped oh, a lot. Yeah. He went through a lot of physical issues. And He's it took him a while. breathing. Exactly. He had forfeit matches because of exactly, it. Exactly, you know. yeah. So we, we, we need to remember that Alcaraz, even though he is a Grand Slam champion already, he is the, the best or second best, well, to be honest, the second best player in the world. I don't think there's a question about that right now. Um, mm-hmm. Djokovic is definitely the best player in the world. But he's the second best player in the world. He's a Grand Slam champion. But... He's also very young, and yeah. a lot. He still has a lot to learn. I mean, we're coming into the grass season, and he's a, he's barely played not even ten matches in his career on grass, right? So that he's that early on. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing to keep in perspective. This is not a disappointment. This does not mean that the new generation is not ready. I think Alcaraz is ready, and if he faces Djokovic again in this situation, I think he'll be up for the task. He just needed to go through this, right? He just needed yeah. to get this uh, his uh, his this rep under his belt. What uh, what do you think? I, I I agree with you. I mean, he these you just have to go through some of the hard times. Yeah, and you know it may happen again, but you the more you get used to it, the better you can handle it. If you you know take the right lessons away from it mm-hmm. and he obviously has a great team behind him so i i expect him to move past this you know in a positive way so absolutely um yeah he had a tough match today but you can still see that he has that fighting spirit which you know these great players always have i mean Djokovic, i would say and we'll talk more in the final but he he definitely turns things around and yeah. if they find some way it may be scrappy um or it may not be the most you know uh crowd pleasing way mm-hmm. but he gets past his hump and then starts playing some amazing tennis yeah so i think carlos is you know, alcaraz he's able to do that um it's just you know there's obviously there's a few players that it's really hard to which are the big three <laughs> yeah so. absolutely but i was very encouraged from yeah, what i, I saw in that second I mean, he set p- he played amazing second yeah. set yeah he lived uh, up to the level that yeah. Djokovic was bringing um and he didn't let he didn't mentally falter it's just mm-hmm. that he wasn't he wasn't well prepared like it, it's weird because mentally i think he had belief but he, mm-hmm. he like he didn't have the mental reps if that makes sense like he didn't he he didn't he wasn't able to he hasn't been able to gone through his experience of facing Djokovic on a big stage like this you know to know how to manage the nerves because it's no not like the big three that, don't have nerves right Nadal has many yeah. times said I have nerves I, I just know how to control them right and that's the thing I think Alcaraz never has gone through a situation like this where his nerves were at that level and to be able to know how to control it. I honestly think his mental game is very strong. Yeah. I think his body just, you know, 
kind of let him down. Yeah. And, and there's not much you can do except for learn from it and hopefully condition the body so that it can handle it better the next time. Which Absolutely. Is happening through this process. So, exactly. Yeah. 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 I agree. Um, and maybe we sh- we can segue from here to you know what because this is just the semifinal, right? This is not the final. <laughs> he could have lost the final, yeah. but um, he played Casper Ruud in that final. And um, I got to say, Casper came out playing really well in that first set. Um, he he went up a break. This was an anticipated early. final, you know. Yeah. I was actually looking forward that maybe Ruud can come up to the level and mm-hmm. take him out. Oh, know? really? Uh, yeah. You had belief I, and then I, he could I, do it? <laughs> Yes, I, I, I didn't did. Have any I actually did. <laughs> I didn't have Believe the belief, but not. I did think that. I mean, he could I, make it that first set, I had belief. Yeah, well, it, he, that first I, set he, gave me belief a little he bit. Should have won that first set. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the thing, you know. Djokovic took it away, just like how he's done <laughs> in yeah, many yeah. Grand Slam finals. Once it got <laughs> to the tie break, it, it was it was going to be tough. I mean, his tiebreak record, Djokovic, oh in this in this slam was absurd. Like yeah. he he played, I think it was six set, six tie, five or six tiebreaks. Okay. He didn't make a single unforced error in those tiebreaks, and he was going he for shots. Just, it wasn't like he was just yeah. playing backboard. He was just aggressively going for his shots. He he puts on a switch, and yeah, you just I guess you just don't want to get to that point in a match with him, right? Yeah, you gotta put him away before yeah. that tiebreak. Um, and Casper wasn't able to do it. He got up the early break, but he just played a, a bit of a poor service game to give it back. Yeah. Um, particularly, I think he missed an overhead like that should have been, he should have put away, uh, on break point that gave the break to Djokovic. But, um, you know, you gotta get credit to Djokovic. He, he finds ways like Djokovic looked like physically did he was not look good. He did not look he good. He looked frustrated too. Yeah. Um, but he found a way to battle through it. Maybe he had a little bit of tension. You mm-hmm. know, he was going for history, right? Let's not let's not yeah. forget that mm-hmm. he was playing with Casper Ruud, and people were just dismissing it. But he remember what he when he went through when he played Medvedev, who never won a yes. Grand Slam before and the that U.S. Was, Open. He was chasing history then. He really showed, and he couldn't he couldn't he deal with it. it. He couldn't yeah. handle it. Uh, he, granted, he was also exhausted from the entire year and all that, but and he played a five setter against Verif in the semis before that. But he he can tell you like he he accepts that he the pressure got to him yeah. in that moment, and it could have happened again, right? Do you think that moment prepared him better for this? Honestly, I think so. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think so too. And and we've talked about like earlier in the episode that calendar slam is 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 on, right? And I think that if he gets to that point. He's gonna be looking this this so first strong. one this first opportunity is going to be good for for this particular chance if he gets to it right if he gets to that U.S. Open final again maybe playing somebody like Alcaraz in the final or Bebedev again I think he's not gonna be as pressured as he was the first time just because he went through it once yeah. um, and it's gonna be good experience so and I think that's what he showed in this final I think he once he got into a tie break it's just. He just knows how to put put it away, how to win those yeah. close moments. Um, but I got to say, I, I love what I saw from Casper. I think he's a much better player yeah. than he was last year. Um, even though he started a little bit slow this year, he peaked yeah. at the right time. You know, he, he absolutely... <laughs> he clearly peaked at the right time. <laughs> at the oh right time, gosh. yeah. He Didn't he play a tournament right before the French? Yeah, he did. 
Well, he was defending the title <laughs> because he did that last year too. Oh gosh, Casper! It, this time he lost. Last year he won Geneva. This this year he lost to Jerry in the quarterfinals, I think. Um, but it's just so impressive that he was able to, you know, come up with his best game at the French. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. The French Open really suits his game because he what he's what he is trying to do is hit that big serve and big forehand, right? That's yeah. what he wants to do. That's all he wants to do. And this is a slow surface, very slow surface that allows him to get into position every time for that forehand. He can run around his backhand all day on the clay. Um, Sounds like Nadal. And this is a small... This is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he's learned from, from the master. Um, and this is a slow clay, like the slowest one of, right. of all the clay tournaments, right? That's why he does well in Rome as well. Last year he made the semifinals. This year he made the semifinals in Rome again. Um, so it's the slower surfaces that really suits his game. And you got to give him credit. He's capitalized on it. I think, you know, he had wins over Rune, um, Rune that was a great, in the quarterfinal. That was um, a great one for him. Great one for him. And no, granted, Rune played yeah. appalling the first two sets. But, I mean, but he, he fought, did his he job. He fought back. He yeah. fought back and he was able to withstand that. So great. Yeah from Rude, and then the way he dismissed Alexander Zverev in the mm-hmm. semis. Um, Routine. I think it was just a great showing from Casper Rude, and I think people... His level is high. They, yeah. they need to give him some respect. You know, they, they do. Like, a lot of he's people trash the, Rude. He's, he's past the 250. Yeah, he's, pa- he's past the 250, Rude. And look, let, I'll, Have I'll we be... acknowledged that? I'll be... Well, <laughs> I don't know. I, it You know, it's tough with him. It's tough with Rude, because... If no, you look at his top yeah. ten, like his his versus top ten and top five and mm-hmm. top twenty records, they're not good. Like they're they're really really poor. Um, but somehow he always manages to get into this position, right? Like now mm-hmm. he's a three time Grand Slam oh, champion. Sinner's not that, right? We hype Sinner finalist, a lot. Finalist. Uh, sorry, what did I say? You said champion. I'm just I'm just projecting that for the oh future for him. Um, <laughs> three three time finalist, right? Sinner has not done that, and we hype Sinner a lot uh, with reason. I think Sinner yeah. deserves the hype, but he's not do, done that. He's not done it once. This guy has done it three times, right? Sitsipas, he's not done it three times. Zverev, he's not done it three times. Mm-hmm. Zverev is a one-time finalist. Sitsipas is a two-time also, finalist right. because French, um, French, Open French Open against Djokovic and then Australia. Australia against Djokovic. This guy's three times now. So... I know that he gets a lot of hate and there's, there's a lot of funny memes about him and being the 250 vulture, which he is. I mean, he it's not, it's, it's, it's not that he's not, but he's also a three time Grand Slam finalist. Um, yeah. So, and that's not a fluke, right? If you do it once, yeah. maybe you got lucky, do it twice. Well, you can still get lucky, but three times. Come on. I think he he's, did, I he think he's that good. He did have some nice draws though. He did. Yes. He did all three times too, which is kind of <laughs> crazy. That's why it's tough to discuss Casper Rude because, yeah. like, the eye test tells you that he's not at that level, kind of. Yeah. But the results are there, right? Yeah. He, you can only play who's in front of you, and he's mm-hmm. he's done the job. Um, what did you think of the match? Because I I have some thoughts on Casper, Casper's game and Djokovic's game. Um, what are your thoughts on? I mean, for me, I think the biggest issue with Casper, and and he has improved this, but Mm -hmm. still the backhand is a big issue um, for me. And it's not so much that he cannot do damage with it because he can. Mm -hmm. It's more that his baseline level of the backhand is still too attackable. 
he can't defend it well. Okay. That's one thing. And the second thing for me for Casper is that his movement is still not like he moves well in defense, like keeping balls in play and stuff. Yeah. But he's not able to turn defense into offense Transition on the run. Game. And it's just it's just a big liability because you can't expect to always be in position to hit that big forehand that you want to hit. You got to be able to hit things on the run. You know, you got to be able to have a little bit more variety. Um, and he has some of that. He plays well at net. It's not that he doesn't have those things, but he's just not elite at them. And that is that's going to be the thing that he needs to improve for me. But I think the biggest, biggest, biggest one is honestly the movement. I think the movement, and not the movement in terms of defense, right? It's, it's, it's the offense, it's the defense into offense uh, ability. Putting himself in a position to get out of, you know, defensive positions right i think that's the biggest thing because once you get rude on the run you've pretty much won the point and how many times have we seen nadal alcaraz his winners like just like running like crazy to a shot that they should not get right and he just doesn't have that ability and i think that's the difference that's the difference between very very good that he is Mm -hmm. versus grand slam champion yeah that's gonna be what he needs what what do you think so you're just gonna feed him balls on the run constantly if you're constantly. If you're his coach. It, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Run. run and go f- go and run and go for the shot. Run and go Hit for that. the shot. Yeah. yeah. Until he can. Yeah, I actually agree with you on this. I mean, there there were some points. I I think it was a mental lapse for him. Oh yeah. I mean. I yes. mean, I after that first set loss, he kind of deflated. Yeah. And it took him a while to get back into it, and he didn't get back really until the third and honestly probably didn't even i mean it was too he late ended up him. losing it but he didn't really have a chance it seemed at the yeah. end um i would just love to see more fighting spirit from him. I mean, it's a grand slam final yeah you know and i really saw him like his head was kind of down and I, yeah, and, he does. And have, I guess that's what Djokovic does <laughs> to a lot of people, but still. No, but you're right. He um, he does suffer a little bit from lack him, of confidence. I've yeah. seen that against even Nadal. Yeah, you know it was worse Alcaraz, against him, right? Yeah, yeah. I've seen that too much. And yeah, no, yeah, that's that's one hundred percent true. Maybe he like respects the players too much. I don't know, mm-hmm. but he needs to believe that he can actually you know, turn it around really quick. And he, can, I think he has the physical ability to do these things. Mm-hmm. He might not have that on-the-run shot, but he definitely has a lot of, um, you know, firepower in his repertoire. Absolutely. I mean, he can hit that forehand. Like, yeah. And his serve is underrated. Yeah. I think his, his serve, serve too. and if he his gets rolling on forehand, his serve, yeah. he can set up shots. Uh, he can play to his strengths, you know, um, but he needs to be there mentally. I think that's one thing that I was a bit disappointed in the final because I – First set, I think he was he, he was he won unlucky it. to lose that yeah, set. He should have won that set. He yeah. should have won that set, um, and he just needs to bounce back because he was playing great tennis. He could have just kept you know going at it. Obviously, Djokovic did raise his level a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. When the tiebreak, he had no yeah. shot because it's, it's <laughs> Djokovic is just something different <laughs> in the tiebreaks. But he should have won it. You know, he should have closed it out when he yeah. had the break lead. Yeah, and this is the. The, an amazing, you know, thing to witness from the the big three is that they're just able to 
take it to another level. Yeah. <laughs> and when that That's happens, why their matches were so legendary because yeah, they kept when they taking it to another each level other, each just set. one up them each other. Just, <laughs> yeah. The the whole match was just Absurd. a classic and yeah, I I really haven't seen anyone really do that yet against the big 3. Uh maybe other than like, you know, Morinka or the other people that really yeah. pushed them. Um, Murray for a while yeah Yeah. obviously Murray yeah Yeah. but in the recent history you know who who can you think of yeah the only one the Poulter is the only one he did it one tournament US Open he crushed Nadal and then beat Federer yeah Federer should have won that but the people that have won any any Grand Slam during the big three era have yeah done some amazing things but I mean like right now who can you think of I mean I think of Alcaraz Alcaraz is the only center. one um, because he he did he did do it at the Masters 1000 level, right? Mm-hmm. He did beat Nadal and Djokovic back to back on the clay. Yeah. That that tells you he has the belief. Mm-hmm. It's just that this stage was a little bit bigger and a little he got just got a little too tense, right? But even in that second set, he showed that he was able. To, like yeah. you you saw what happened in Root. He completely deflated, like you said, yeah. right? Alcaraz didn't do that in the second set. He actually won the second set. He came back and fought hard and won the second set after a deflating first set. You know, he shows that he can do that. But it's very, like, that that is the one thing that, you know, when we talk about the whole recap of French Open, you know, memories and disappointments, et cetera, um, one of the things that I love Sinner, but he he needs to get better mentally. Mentally, he has big issues. And that's why, like, you know, sometimes you and I go back and forth about Wimbledon, how he got close to beating Djokovic. And and I always say, well, did he? He, he uh, didn't get close. He, and, and he did get close on the scoreboard to beating him in terms of two sets to love. But, but after that second set, he just mentally got away. Like, he, he didn't have the belief to put Djokovic away. And he didn't even make it competitive in those three He's sets. He's got to close out. Yeah. Got to close out. And it's it's a lot of that. Like Rude had the same problem, right? And Zverev have shown that a lot, right? Zverev is probably one of the most talented players that chokes so much, you know, against big players and big moments. And um, we just have a lot of that uh, to in you know some of these players. So uh, that's why Alcaraz is so hyped up because he he doesn't give a shit. Honestly, he he <laughs> plays his game, and yeah, he cramped in this one, but, but he beat Djokovic and Nadal back to back. You know, nobody else has done that, right? On the clay, nobody ever has done that. Not even Federer, and he's a big three member. Um, so th- he's the only one that shows that belief. But I think you're right. We we do lack that level from other players to be able to challenge them. Because Djokovic, let's be honest, he wasn't like he's played other Grand Slams where he's looked better. Mm-hmm in terms of his level. He was okay in this tournament. And okay was enough to win a Grand Slam. Yeah. And straight sets, <laughs> you know, in the final. So That's crazy. Um, it was still a very entertaining final, though. It was. I yeah. think Casper Ruud came to play. Yeah. He had that mental laugh in the second set. But o- overall, he's just not as good as Djokovic. And that's why he lost. It wasn't because completely his mental side, right? It did in the second set, the mental side affect him. But he's just not as good as Djokovic, period. Um Let's just be real about that. Um, and it was entertaining. I think he did the best he could. It wasn't like last year where Nadal yeah. just absolutely steamrolled Rude because he just couldn't deal with the occasion. Um, so I think it's progress for Rude. But 
yeah, overall, I think we we gotta give Djokovic some respect. Uh, one thing I want to say, the last thing I want to say about Djokovic before we move on to the women's, um, this actually this weekend I saw um, with Christina with my wife, we saw the movie Air. Um, oh, the Jordan one. The Jordan one, yeah, and it just got me thinking. You know, Djokovic honestly is the closest thing that I, as a fan of of a sport. He is the closest thing I've ever felt to Michael Jordan in terms of that just I'm going to kill you instinct, you know, and yeah. mentally just be able to be superior to everybody else to beat you with just his presence. Mm-hmm. He is like that. And he has that status. He has that status to me. Like I I oh, think he that He got to 23 now. He got to 23 <laughs> just like MJ. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um and honestly that's 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 what he feels to me. I, I've always said that um, this was controversial back then, uh, at least with my friends and stuff. You'll probably disagree with me. But when, even when Djokovic was like six or seven slams behind Federer, I always said, I think Djokovic is already the best player of all time. And it's not because of the, his achievements and anything like that. It was because of that it factor that I am going to beat you no matter He's what. He's hungry. That yeah. that hunger and that just total belief in himself, that, it's it's yeah. hard to replicate in an athlete, and I don't think in tennis anybody has that except him. Um, well, the I think after an interview, I did see a snip from like YouTube where they asked him, you know, something about it might have uh, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but he literally replied saying, "It's the Mamba mentality." Yeah. Do you remember him saying yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and the Mamba mentality is the Michael Jordan mentality. Yes. So, you know, Kobe, Jordan, now Djokovic. Djokovic. I and, think they're very you're similar. Right. Like, yeah. he, he's had that, like, I'm going to be the best. That's his goal. Yeah. Like, and he doesn't want anything to get away in front of it. Uh, no barriers, from, mm-hmm. you know, from stopping him. I mean, he's he's clearly changed a lot of his you know surrounding environment and his body such that he can perform at such a high level yeah and sustain it you know um like i i don't see any other athlete at least in the tennis field that yeah the sport of tennis that's doing what he's doing yeah he changed his diet completely he does you know all these other things to his body he does hyperbaric chamber you know he's recovering you know very efficiently yeah and it shows i mean he's 36 and he still is outlasting alcaraz on the court yeah best of five at a grand slam i mean yeah it's crazy. It's crazy stuff, but you gotta get props, and we'll see how how long he can extend this this winning streak. There's two yeah, more slams this year, so it'll be I honestly don't think people think age is a factor for him, but I don't I don't think so. Yeah, I mean he's it's a exception. it's a minor factor. It's it's like he's, he has niggles here and there more than before. Yeah, but he's still Novak Djokovic. Yeah. He's still the best player in the world. Yeah, the fact that what Federer was what 37 mm-hmm. when he got to the Wimbledon final. Yeah, so. Yeah, and I think Djokovic's body has held up better. Yeah. So, 
we'll see how long it holds up. But right now, at this moment, he's still the best player in the world. So we'll be interested to see what happens in Wimbledon if somebody can surprise all of us and just come out of nowhere. But not looking likely. Um, but maybe let's look move on to the women's now. Um, let's do it. So in the final of the women's, um, we didn't get the match that we all thought it was for sure getting. We were we were very close to it. Um, but in the end, we got um, Iga Sviantek against Karolina Mukova. And honestly, I loved that match. That was it was such a great match. Um, and I think Mukova showed a lot of heart because she was getting crushed. And getting crushed against the best player on on Roland Garros for the past few years, it's hard to find any type of belief in that kind of situation and she found she it and she back. almost won that match like she came close no. to winning that match she had really good chances she got good chances so yeah. what what did you think about about the match and what did you think about both Iga and, yeah. and Mukova I, I I love this match I think this is probably my favorite one of my favorite matches of the year mm-hmm. um, you know Iga has been so dominant on this surface right especially in the French Open, that she's has overwhelming odds. And I'm sure there's a lot of pressure from Mukova to even perform her best, right? It's, yeah. it's, and I think a lot of people even mention how uh, Shantek's ball is a little different. It's like as it comes so fast on the heart. Uh, on yeah, the, on, very on heavy clay. too because of the spin. Yeah, and that's very Rafa-like. Yes, <laughs> literally. Um, and um yeah i think Iga is stuck to her game plan as she normally does and she's playing very efficient tennis the first set she went six two mm-hmm. second set it seemed like she had things under control but then mukova really you know had some belief and turned things around mm-hmm. and i love to see that just yeah. just from like any you know tennis fan or you know as a tennis player too just to see someone that I mean, just like how Djokovic does it, they flip a switch and or start taking advantage of, you know, some of these you know, key points that that are come up in a match. And so um, it was very exciting. I think there's a battle out there. You could really feel the tension and Iga was pushed. And I was afraid that Iga's normal game plan which she doesn't have the best variety mm-hmm. in her game that's true and i honestly thought she was gonna lose it yeah she's gonna lose this match because she didn't show that she could play a, a different style of tennis mm-hmm. which i think would have been very handy in this in this case i think she kind of narrowly squeaked by mm-hmm. but um and i'm sure she's happy about her win which we all are but I think it's a bit of a tell uh, that her game needs a little bit of improvement. Yeah. Um, well, she at needs least a little some variety. She needs a little Mukova in her game. Yes, and I love the way Mukova played. I didn't mention that at all. Like she is fun to watch. She's so she fun. She reminds me of uh, is attack tennis, a bit of Caroline Garcia, but more Federesque. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I honestly think she's a She has a lot of player. grace. And beautiful tennis player. she has such Her a beautiful awesome. all-court game it's it's yeah. great to watch um i just wish she had a little bit more power like just natural power 
because she would be unstoppable if she did have it. Uh, that's true. Um, do you imagine her that game style with Sabalenka's power or or um, Rybakina's yeah. power? You know that easy I power. Rybakina has that right now. Um, because Mukova to me has, I think, the most complete game in the women's game. That like, I, I, and I don't think it's close. Like she, the way the she can finish at we net. Ha- we were not talking about Mukova at all. Well, there's a reason for that, right? and it's because and she's, always she, like, she's always injured. She's always injured. She's always injured. Like she has shown this talent. A lot of the time, I mean, in the beginning of this tournament, I, when I saw the draw, and she was drawn to next to Zachary in the beginning, I was like, was "Oh, that's an upset <laughs> alert right there," um, because she's that good. She's that good, and and Zachary, you know, mentally, she, she in tough matches, she she tends to f- fall apart. So I was like, "This could be an opportunity for Mukova," but I I never really pick her to do like I picked her to get to the quarterfinals. But I, I hesitated to do anything more with that just because I just thought that she was at some point her body was just going to break down because that's just what she does. Like she always gets hurt. And this is the first tournament in a while. Well, uh, that's not true. She's been playing good this year. She's mm-hmm. actually been pretty healthy in the entire year. That's great. But this is definitely her best result. Um, but I was just expecting it to fall apart at some point. Uh, but it didn't. And honestly, you know, she beat uh, in the quarterfinals. She beat Pavlichenkova, who is a former finalist in this tournament. Um, she beat in the semifinals, Arena Sabalenka. It's huge. And she was completely out of that match at the end. Like she was down. I want to say she was down she match back. point down at 2-5. Ugh. Match point down. And she fought hard to come back from that. Uh, and honestly, there was some gifting happening on the other side of the net as well. But she took advantage of the opportunity. Yeah. Um, and she honestly deserved to be in that position because she played fantastic the first two sets against Sabalenka. Um, and the fact that she was getting crushed in the final and mm-hmm. she didn't get demoralized by that, she was actually able to build yeah. from there. That I was just that. sensational. Yeah. And the only thing that I could think of was like, imagine her... With that game style, playing yeah. on the grass in Wimbledon. Oh, I hope she she plays well. I hope so too, court. because I think she could do yeah. a lot of damage on the grass. Because um, her, honestly, she has such great awareness of when to attack, when to come to net, and she has really good ability to put those volleys away. Like she's she's sticking those volleys away. Yeah. She's not floating them like a lot of people. Most people nowadays don't know how to volley, right? They just hit like. Like floating volley shots. You teach him, Carlos. And you know, remember Federer <laughs> yeah, when he used to come and and do like, <laughs> he, like he would put them away. Oh, I'm not teaching anybody because I, <laughs> I have no talent. But you know what I'm saying, like Federer when he used to come to net, right? Oh yeah. He the would just stick volleys. those volleys away. Yeah. He was not like floating them in for people to come and and you know from the back of the baseline be able to reach them, right? She's able to do that. She she knows how to put yeah, away volleys. She, she had a great net core game. Yeah, her net core game was uh, her her net game was amazing. Yeah. Um, and the just the overall game, like her serving, everything, everything was was unbelievable. She just didn't have like enough power really to hit through Iga on the clay consistently. Even though she was trying, right? That mm-hmm. that was what she was doing, and she had more winners, I think, than Iga did. If if I'm right. Um. But Iga is just a little bit too too good on the clay. Um, I think her movement on the clay 
she's just her way ahead really of everybody good, yeah. um, on the clay, and and it showed again. And she's definitely the best player on in in this surface and and this tournament, and she definitely deserves to 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 have won. Um, but I think what you said about Iga is super true about like her lack of variety is a liability. She could be more dominant if she added more mm -hmm. to her game. Um, right now she plays very heavily on the baseline um, and she's just trying yeah. to win points that way. And when she comes to net, it's a little like you, you kind of. She reminds me of early Rafa, which yeah. is like, a, honestly, true. the progression seems fitting for her exactly <laughs> yeah, her biggest fan um but it's true we remember rafa before like he you you would never think of rafa being a net player but at the but end of his career he's a great net player he became like rafa became one of the best volleyers in the game after when he got older he had to yeah, right he improved he improved, he improved a lot so there's time for Iga to to add that to her game for sure um but i just hope he does it sooner than rafa <laughs> <laughs> yeah it took rafa a long time to do it um But I think you're right. If she, if she does add the variety, she could she could yeah. be more dangerous, and it might be the thing that holds her back against Rybakina and Sabalenka on the faster surfaces as yeah. well. So it's something to think about for her to to continue to incorporate to her game. But at Roland Garros mm -hmm. and on the clay, no, she yeah, is still the player still fine, to beat. Yeah. Um, yeah, congratulations to her. She just graduated from the Rafa <laughs> Nadal Academy. I, she graduated earlier, but she actually threw her hat and wanted to do the whole thing. Exactly. So. I think she came. It's she good. was like a what, what is it speaker. called? The the speaker. It's yeah, she was the speaker. speaker. That, that was really cool. I, yeah. I liked seeing that. Um, being the biggest fan, it's it's kind of funny it's the hilarious. relationship that they have. They <laughs> played it. doubles together <laughs> for charity, and I love it. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I like that Rafa actually. It's like, oh, let me, this. let me celebrate. Let's go back to Rafa's academy and celebrate exactly. or something. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, Iga is, is, is good news uh, for the yeah. sport. And um, um, it, congratulations to her to win another French Open. I think she's going to win a lot more. Uh, she's only 22 years old. And she has yeah. four slams now. She's a Swifty. Yeah. 22. She's a Swifty. So... <laughs> We're going to see a lot more Viga um, on the clay and outside the clay. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's all I had for for my thoughts on the women's. Um, maybe just quickly on Sabalenka. Um, where do you lean with her? Disappointed or or you think she well, she did good, you know, good enough? I think she did good enough. Yeah, I think yeah, I think I mean, the same. Um, Mukova was a tough opponent. Yeah, I think Muka was a tough draw there. Mentally, yeah. yeah, there's always I think a little bit of improvement. Yeah, absolutely. Her. I think I think she's getting you know more consistent and you know it's a semifinal. She's played of all the tournaments that she's played this year. She's pretty much made the you know quarterfinals or later in pretty much all of them. It's There's really only good. one, it's really good so point. it's hard to really, you know, criticize her for this result, especially because she's never gone this far in Roland Garros before. This is the best result she's had here. So all in all, I think it was a good tournament for her, and I think she's going to be looking to the grass season and the hardcore season at the U.S. Open. So I think she's in good. In good form there. I think the other thing I wanted to mention, Rybakina, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I think she had like an illness, right? Yeah. And she had to retire. Um, and that was rough because she we, like we could have seen her play 
Iga in the in the semifinals, I believe. Yeah, it was, it was so, anticipated. That would have been cool to see that match if if possible because, you know, Iga and and Rybakina actually played in Rome, mm-hmm. and it was Iga who had to retire with an injury. And just right. it, it turned in out to be match. preventative, right? To yeah. make sure to not get worse and be ready for it the French. It worked out perfect. Worked out perfect. Jeez. Um, so now this time Rebecca and I got they got sick and we couldn't see that match, but unfortunate. But like she looks healthy now. Uh, she, yeah. She's playing on the grass uh, where she really is the player to beat, I would believe. Uh, so yeah, all in all, I think we still have a big three on the women's side, um, and it continues that way halfway through. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, cool. Well, what about Mukova? She's Mukova is in the mix. I mean, it's it's one tournament, so I don't want to yeah. be like too crazy with my rankings. But at the same time, she looked great after the top three. There isn't really that many, you know, strong mm-hmm. candidates for number four, right? And going into the grass, I love her game for the grass. That's true. So maybe she is the fourth best. Uh, so maybe, yeah. But yeah, maybe let's wrap up there uh, for the finals on the men's on the women's side. Any final French Open thoughts? Any players mm. that you want to bring up, um, good or bad, uh, moving forward? Or you know, I, I think we talked. We didn't mention Zverev, but it's quite a, an achievement for him to come back after such a gnarly injury mm-hmm. a, a year ago when he played Nadal. Yeah, and even though we know he's not in, you know, the shape that we i mean i was actually like anticipating a good match against rude but obviously he's not at that level yet but the fact that he's gotten to the semifinals of a grand slam that's just pretty amazing so yeah i agree i i would have to say though that his draw was a little bit skewed it it really opened up after medvedev yeah yeah and center center they were both all in that section both in that section um Still, best so out of five but still, matches. yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, making that semifinal yeah. again—that's that's impressive, um, and I think it's good memories for him, like good, good or a good way to put those memories back uh, behind him, right, from last year, mm-hmm. uh, and that semifinal where he he got a horrific injury against Nadal in the semifinals. So uh, I was just dis- obviously. I mean, we talked about this before, but Sitsipas, I was yeah. disappointed in. Yeah. Um, it's uh, honestly, I can't say that I did not expect this. Um, yeah. Particularly because he matches up very bad against Alcaraz, their styles of play. Um, but I, this is just who he is to me now, mm-hmm. you know. Although yeah, we didn't even talk about. It. Should we even bring this up? <laughs> Wait, did did didn't he make this public while like during his loss or like after? Right it was after. after. I mean, it like after. right after his. Maybe loss. it was right after. Yeah. Um, it's just a weird time. But listeners, we're talking about, I know this is what you're all been waiting for. I've all been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're talking about Sitsi Dosa. Um, oh, <laughs> yes, I know. Cringe. <laughs> um, yeah, we have, to, we, have, we have to mention it at least. Um, Paula Bedosa and, and Stefano Sitsipas are a thing now. Um, very publicly now. Very publicly. <laughs> uh, it, a very interesting way of, of sort of... Um, Announcing it essentially with a change of profile picture on Spotify. That was it. It was very subtle. Was Spotify thing. Spotify, yeah. And somebody, I don't know, it was some sort of 
digging um, that they did. And it's like, oh, this is interesting that it happened. And then just the, the floodgates opened. They started posting everything on Instagram and everywhere. Very, so a lot of PDA. What, yep. This is like um, soulmates and then soulmates. she'll tell you the same thing. Absolutely. They've gone through a journey. Yeah. So, well, this is a new thing now. Seems like young love to me. We'll see C- how it goes. Dosa. That's, yeah. that's the new catchphrase for them. So some things are going well in the City Pass life. Not on the tennis court, but uh, outside of it, at least. Um, but, yeah, he did play on the grass, a, a bit of an, an update on him, I guess. And he lost his first tournament. He's currently playing his second one th- in the first round that he played. So we'll see what he has for the grass season. He's always been a little bit up and down. I think he won Mallorca last year, hmm. which is interesting. But then he didn't play that great in Wimbledon. Um, he hasn't historically been that great at Wimbledon, so we'll see. But yeah, I think City Pass is a good shout in terms of, you know, I guess disappointments. I think Sinner is the biggest disappointment for me because he lost in the second round um, to Altmaier. And he honestly, he had high expectations. He was one of the yeah. top players for me for this tournament. I had him winning the whole thing. <laughs> you had him winning the whole thing. Um, <laughs> and honestly, I would say that um, it's mental. He he played a He played a tough yeah. match. And he just couldn't win it. And he had a few matches like this already this year where he lost a very close one to um, Holger Rune in mm-hmm. Monte Carlo where he should have won that, I think. Uh, and, you know, Rune's great and all, but, I mean, Sinner, he's older than Rune. He's more experienced. I mean, granted, like that, not that much more experience. But, I mean, he should be winning some of these matches that are close, right? Um, and he did. he wasn't able to do it there. So I just want to see him win a big match like this, you know, and be more confident in tight moments other than Alcaraz because for some reason he plays very well against Alcaraz and he's able to match up well against him. Obviously play styles. so much fun to watch. Uh, It's so great when they play each other because their styles just complement each other so well. But apart from the matches with Alcaraz, he really mentally just doesn't have that belief, you know. Uh, He doesn't seem to have it yet. Um so I just want to see more from him. And hopefully on the grass we can see some of that. He already lost in the tournament um, last I think week. It's consistency, right? It's, yeah. I mean, yeah. he has the belief at times. It's just we need to see him string it. Yeah. But he needs to put it together for a single tournament. Exactly. Because yeah. one win in a tournament against a top 15 player, it's not enough, right? you got to beat you got to be able to beat multiple top 10 players in a tournament, right, right. to be that guy. And he wants to be that guy. He he has the talent to be that guy. So I just want to see a little bit more from him. Um, so a little disappointed from him there. Um, I want to give a shout-out to Karen Hashanoff because, again, oh, he's on a quarterfinal of a Grand Slam. <laughs> um, and he played pretty well. He played well. Djokovic. He took the first yeah. set against Djokovic. He was, is he the only player that – well, Alcaraz as well. So the only yeah. two players that took sets from – from Djokovic were Alcaraz and Hashanov. Mm-hmm. So we got to get props to, to Hashanov. Um, he always does this. He's been reaching the last three semifinals, I think, of Grand Slams. And um, now he reached the quarterfinal because he ran into Djokovic then. <laughs> he probably would have reached the semifinal if he didn't run into Djokovic. But, um, yeah, great stuff from, from Hashanov. Um, and I think maybe one more shout-out for the women's on uh, the French oh, Open. Yeah. Um, Beatrice Hedat Maya. Yeah, he, she did 
She did a great tournament. She beat on Jabor in a match that Jabor was very much the favorite. Um, And she gave Iga a really big fight in that uh, tiebreak in the second set. Um, It was a very, very competitive uh, second set there. And it it was great to see her play that level. And honestly, on her worst surface, I would say. Um, So I'm really excited to see her on the grass because last year she won two tournaments in a row leading into Wimbledon. And then lost in the first round, so I want to see if she can, you know, this year build a little bit better to yeah. towards Wimbledon, and see what she can do there. Um, but I think that's that's it for recaps uh, nice. for the French Open. Anything else before we move on? I think that's it. Yeah, congratulations to the, the winners. Yeah, absolutely. Some and um, maybe uh, now what we want to do really quickly is to talk about um, power rankings. Uh, so. I did a little bit of a list, uh, and I want you to tell me if you agree or not uh, with that. So, um, after the French Open, I don't think there's any question who's the best player in the world, right, anymore? Novak Djokovic. It is Novak Djokovic. I think he goes number one in the overall ranking. Um, And I would say that on the clay as well, um, the number one player, just because, I mean, he won the French Open, so you got to give him that. (laughs) Carlos Alcaraz is the... Definite number two, I would say. Um, overall rankings, I would say Daniel Medvedev is still number three in the power rankings, even though he lost in the first round of the French. <laughs> I'm not expecting him to do much there. Um, and he had a great clay court season. He had otherwise. a great clay court season, but honestly, I don't know how because he still looks terrible <laughs> on the clay. Um, you don't so like his movement? I do not like his movement <laughs> at all on the clay. Um, I would say number four. Um Last time we did power rankings, I had Sinner at number four. Mm. Um, I've promoted Rune to number four. Um, and I have Yannick Sinner number five um, in my power rankings. And I think I thought very hard of moving Sinner out of my top five because his clay season was a little bit poor. Mm-hmm. But I think he's done enough this year to, to just the whole package – I think he still remains in the top five for me. Um, any objections to that? No, I think I think that's pretty accurate. Okay. I mean, I, I might I might put Casper in the mix. Yeah. So I did like a clay version of it, like oh. who were the best players on the clay, and I put Novak, Alcaraz, Rune, and Brood as my top four. I don't really have a top five because nobody else really stood out as much as them. Um, so I think those are the four guys okay. for me. Uh, in this clay season just because rude defended his you know french open final appearance i think he deserves to be there um and rune we saw what he did on the clay this season so um and then obviously novak and alcaraz so i think those are the four best guys uh on the clay right now um any objections to that that's that's good okay so we're in agreement women ego yeah right i mean definitely number one Number two, I have Sabalenka, uh, just because she okay. won that title in Madrid and reached the final in Stuttgart semifinal French Open. A um, little bit better overall package than what Rybakina did, so I think I put Rybakina number three. Um, uh, and overall, I think she's also number three to me. Um, and then number four, I actually put Karolina Mukova. I know it's just one tournament, and I just said that I don't want to overreact, 
but <laughs> there isn't really another name that pops up for me. Uh, and what I saw, I'm taking into account in my overall ranking, also the potential moving forward, like combined with what they're done yet. And I think Mukaba has a shot, you know? Um, so I think, I think she's number four for me. Um, Number five, I think still Jessica Pagula, even though she was a non-factor on the clay for the most part. Yeah, she's been pretty She's done consistent. enough in the rest of the year that I think she deserves to be there. Um, on the clay, same list, one through four. The only change for me was Kudermatova um, over Pagula because she had really good tournaments on the clay. But um, moving into the grass, I really changed this up a lot um, okay. because grass is just a different... <laughs> it's a different thing um, for these players. Number one is still Djokovic. I mean, come on. He's he's like the four-time defending champion at Wimbledon, is it? Five-time, six-time, what is it? I don't, <laughs> I don't know how many times he's defending in that. Um, what a number. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Two on seven That's times, right. he, and he's he, won the last. Let me see what the numbers are. He's tied. Yeah. One, two. Uh, I mean, I guess there was no two tw- 2020 right, right? So, so three-time defending three time. champion no four 2018 four-time defending champion Djokovic oh, there's no way he can't be number one so he is number one in the power rankings going into the grass the rest is is a crazy list um because I have no idea what to expect um I have Taylor Fritz on number two just on potential I think he can wow. do it um that's probably wow. not accurate uh so you can disagree with me there um, number I three. I can see that though. He has a good game yeah. on grass. Um, I got number three, Tiafo. Wow. Yeah, I got high hopes on Tiafo <laughs> on the grass. Mentally. Mentally, that's a tough one. Um, yeah. But I mean, he's better than he was last year overall, and I okay. think he's, he's his game suits the grass a lot better than yeah. the clay. Um, so he'll have a better draw. Yeah, I think I think he'll have a better draw. Have a better draw. I think there's potential for him. Okay. Um, number four, Hercats. Yeah, I was wondering when he was gonna come in. Yeah. To play. And number five, I put Medvedev, just because again potential. He's not done much on the grass really, but last year he made two straight finals on the grass, and he couldn't play Wimbledon, um, so he showed some good form going into the tournament, um, even though he couldn't play Wimbledon itself. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I like Medvedev, but it's honestly grass is a crapshoot. So where where is Sinner in the play? Sinner is somebody to watch for me, but I don't think he deserves to be <laughs> wow. in the top five. Well, to be <laughs> honest, he's only had that good run last year at Wimbledon, but other than that, he's lost a lot on the, on the grass. Does that really matter? It, it kind of does for me because, I mean, you got to show something, right? <laughs> okay. Um, uh, yeah, he, I mean, Wimbledon is the big one. Yeah. Yeah, but he's done it once, and I don't know how repeatable it is. He already lost this year in the first tournament that he played. Okay. Um, so, I don't know. I think he has the potential, but then again, it's just a crapshoot on the grass, right? We don't know who's going to learn quickly and, and all that. But yeah, there's a lot of people that could break through, right? I mean, Alcaraz could even break through. Ben Shelton? I would say so. He yeah. has a huge game. Yes, he has the game for, he has for a big it. game. If he can move on the grass. What about, like, I mean, Draper sometimes we think about? Uh, he's hurt. He's I think he's not playing. He's not I think playing. he's hurt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never Same mind. thing with Kyrgios. We haven't mentioned Kyrgios, not yeah, because we happened? don't like him. 
Um, he yeah. actually played the first match and then, left in tears oh no. from the court. Same thing with Berrettini. This, that's also why I haven't mentioned Berrettini. Uh, both of them left their their respective matches in tears mm, um, because both of them are battling injuries. And Nick Kyrgios actually withdrew from Queens as well. Uh, so he's he's going to try to just play Wimbledon, Wimbledon if, he can. if he can. But I don't think he hasn't played any tennis at all, period, this year. He's so gonna, but I doubt that he's going to be able to, to do anything on the grass like that Yeah, with no form, you know. Uh, and still battling injury, right, as we speak, right? So, otherwise, you know, Nick would have been on my list. Berrettini would have been on my list, but they're just not there. Um, I think Felix is somebody to watch. Um, I think he has the game for grass. But two things, he's been pretty bad this year compared to his standards. And secondly, he's also hurt Felix. Oh, so, no. it's it's Niggles. It's not as, as serious of these guys. Um but he's not 100% fit, and I don't know if he – maybe he is now, but I just haven't heard an update, um, so it's hard to predict how well he will play. But he has the game to be a factor mm-hmm. on Wimbledon. So he is somebody to watch. Sinner is somebody to watch because of his good result, right? So you mentioned him. Um, yeah, I think those are the guys. Cam Norrie, I mean, he's semifinalist last year. He plays good on the grass, so that's somebody to watch as well. But all in all, I think it's Djokovic and then the rest of the field. Um but I have high hopes for Taylor Fritz and Francis Tiafo. I think they can make deep runs in Wimbledon. Okay. We'll yeah. see. Women's side, um, I would say no question Rybakina on number one. You agree? Yeah, I agree. Um, number two, I would say Sabalenka. Okay. Number three, this might be a little bit of recency bias, but I would say Mukova. Oh, Just of because of potential. Bias, yeah. I would say potential. Um I like the game that she plays. Yeah. I think it's suits the grass, um, but we'll see. Number four, Jabor, based on Ooh. her history on the grass and Wimbledon finalist from last sure. year. Um, she looks healthier. Um, number five was a little bit harder, but um, I went with Kvitova. <gasps> there we go. Yeah. Um, I knew it. I knew you I knew would appreciate that. Yeah. Um, do you agree with I, all that or any agree. objections? I agree with all of that. Yeah. Um, some players that I are worth Maya. mentioning – I had Maya. I yeah. had her in my to-watch list. Um, Carolyn Garcia as well. Yep. Um, any other players that I, you think were players to watch on the grass? Notice that I haven't mm-hmm. mentioned Iga at all in this list. Yeah. But she doesn't look ready to play on the, gla- the grass. Yes, yeah. Once she plays in um, Bad Homburg next week, we'll get a better idea. We'll have a better, a better idea. I honestly don't see her going that far from the back of the court she has to come in yeah she needs to learn yeah i think it's the variety what you said um the lack of variety hurts her but she also doesn't move well on the grass Mm. Uh, so those two things combined really make it difficult for her she sprays a lot of errors on the grass last year was it was a hard watch watching her uh, lose against um Elise cornet in the i think it was third round was that where she had like a huge winning streak Yes, yeah. that's where it ended. That's yeah. where it ended, right? Um, and it was very bad, very poor match <laughs> for her. Um, and honestly, I think she needs to improve a lot to be even competitive. I mean, she's she's barely even being competitive with Rebecca as is on the hard courts where she plays well. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, on grass, I don't think she gets close to her, right? 
Um, but yeah, I think that's my my power rankings for French Open and for moving forward into the grass. Yeah. Um, anything else before we move on uh, to the last part? Um, I think that's about it. I mean, there's maybe. Let's. I'll just mention this out there. Venus Williams is still playing. That is true. That is a good a, shout. She's a multiple Grand Slam winner. Yeah, <laughs> but Seven obviously, times. she's what forty three years old. Forty three years old. And I saw her with a knee brace on, not a, like a wrapped knee. So yeah. Um, but it's amazing that she's out there. She won know, a match. She won a match. She beat Georgie. Yeah. In a pretty solid. A pretty long match too. Yeah. Like three hours plus. So that that was impressive. Um, um, I also felt good that I she won that because did you see how Georgie was celebrating? Like she had a fall, like a really nasty fall where she like screamed Venus? in pain. Venus? Venus. Oh no. And Georgie had like the open court. She hit the shot into the open court and she celebrated it and hit like very loudly. Hey, come on or something like that. Oh wow. With, okay. with Venus on the ground screaming in pain. Oh, that's that's just, that was distasteful. Um, we just saw that Laziki fall from yeah. like 2009. Exactly. Or Imagine something like that, and, and then the, the other person was like celebrating yeah, the match. Exactly. Win. It was so weird. It was just like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it was terrible. So, it was great to see that she got up actually and won the match. Yeah. Uh, so, it was good. But, yeah, I don't have a lot of expectations for her, but it's just nice to see her still at 43. Being a factor, yeah, I, you know, being able to win well, matches at this level. I mean, I think she's playing because she loves to play. Yeah, right, and, and that's, that's great. What you love to see. Yeah, absolutely. Especially from a veteran or great in the sport, you know. So yeah, she was tons of fun when she was in her prime. So, yeah, I yeah. agree. Um, yeah, so maybe let's wrap up by talking a little bit about the grass. Uh, so we're not going to go into too many details, but we just wanted mm-hmm. to let uh, the listeners know that. There is some grass events happening. There were some grass events last week as well. We yep. had uh, a bunch of winners, right? We had Katie Bolter on the women's side winning a title. We had Francis Tiafo won uh, as well a title, and that win got him into the top 10 for the first time. So really big result for him. Um, yeah. And it's the first time since a long time that there's two American men in the top 10. Exactly. So yeah. that's that's really, really good. Um, good result from from Tiafo and Stuttgart. Uh, and then that was we'll, the la- last time, I think, was when Marty Fish. And Roddick, right? And uh, is it Roddick? Or Blake? And Isner. Oh, yeah. Isner. Okay, yeah. that was the last time. Fish and Isner in 2012. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. So great result for Francis. And I think he, he does have the game um, to be really a big factor on the grass. Uh, same thing with Taylor Fritz. So I, I'm yeah. excited to see both of them uh, do some damage. Uh, I want to give a shout out to John Leonard Struff because John Leonard Struff played the final against Tiafo. And oh, remember transition. when we said um, who like – how good this guy could be on the grass when he played with Alcaraz, remember, yeah. in Madrid with that style? We did mention Look that. at that. Look yeah. at that. He played there and, and, and made it a really, really good match. It went to um, to 10-8, was it, in the in the tiebreaker in the final set? Uh, so terrific showing from John Leonard Struff, and I think he is going to be a factor on the grass. He's somebody to watch as well. Um, so we'll see. 
you know, reaching his prime at 33, is he? I think he's like 33 years old right yeah. now. Um, but great stuff from him. Um, we had Andy Murray winning two challenger that events in a row. Yes. Um, unfortunately, he just lost his first match on the tour well, level <laughs> on the grass. But um, it's it good Diminor. to see. He's a, to he's a I mean, quick, he's a good. quick one. He's good. On the, on yeah, the grass. it's true. Um, so we had those tournaments happen last week. We have um, the return of Carlos Alcaraz um, now to yeah. the grass, and he played his first match today. Um, he played uh, Arthur Rinderkanesh. Uh I actually I was looking forward to this match a lot because it was originally going to be Alcaraz against Arthur Fis, who's like a really big prospect from um, uh, actually also from France. Uh, but he got actually injured. He won his qualifying match to to get to this match against Alcaraz, and then he got he got injured, so he had to pull out. Um, so, uh, Rinder Kranesh was a lucky loser. He took the spot and actually made it competitive. So great stuff there. But Alcaraz, he's looking like he needs a little bit more reps on the grass. Honestly, he played well. Yeah. He, it looks like his game suits the grass really well. Yeah. It's just that his movement is still not great on the grass. I think the movement is not. I mean, he's moving okay. He's moving okay. Um, yeah. I think because he's just fast in general. Yeah. <laughs> but one thing I noticed that he is he's playing a lot of loopy, you know, um, forehands and backhands, which, you know, he could really. I know he has the capability because he does it. He can flatten those shots out Absolutely. a bit more and play a little different type of tennis than he does on the clay. Yeah, or even on the hard courts. Because yeah, I totally agree with I that. I don't think those loopy forehands will. It may in the second week of like a Grand Slam when it's all dirt out there, but in yeah. some of these faster surfaces, it's going to be a little harder. And I, and I think some of it does come down to movement because yeah, he. Movement too. He doesn't get into like he has a big wind up for his forehand. Like he he is not the type of person that has like a you know like a quick motion. Mm-hmm. Um, he he takes a big cut to he hit does, his forehand, yeah, right. and he needs some time. It's a little bit like rude, but mm-hmm. not as extreme as rude. But in that sense, that he needs a little time to get. That's why rushing him is good. Like it's it's a good tactic because he can't really unload like that. Um, so I think he needs to improve a little bit the way he moves around the grass court to be more comfortable hitting his shots. And, you know, he's got to get comfortable doing those backpedaling like Nadal. Like once he gets to that point, then he'll be good. <laughs> he can do it. I mean. Yeah. Nadal wasn't that good on grass at the beginning, and he he grew into it. It took him some Casper, years. but Casper does that well on, on the clay. Exactly. Not on the grass, though. No. <laughs> I, I have a suspicion that we're not going to hear from Casper for until, <laughs> until we get to the U.S. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, um, oh, Alcaraz is back on the grass. No, oh, he'll sure. he'll be somewhere. We'll hear from him. He'll find a he'll find a clay two fifty during this time. <laughs> that's what he'll do. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, Alcaraz is back. City passes back as well. Um, he lost a match last week early on, but he's playing this week still. Um, and the big tournaments this week are uh, Holly, uh, which is basically the Federer in, uh, Invitational. Oh, man. He won that tournament, like, how many? Like 10 times. Um, and we also have the Queen's event. Um, now it's called, what, the Cinch? 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 I don't oh, know how to I don't know how to pronounce it. that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the London 
500 event. Um, so in Germany right now, they're in quarterfinals. Um, so you can catch, or actually not quarterfinals. This is round 16? Yeah. Round of 16 yeah, matches. Um, so you can catch players like Medvedev. You can catch Tsitsipas, Zverev, um, John Leonard Struff, who we talked about, are all in Holly. Um, and on the Queens event, uh, we have players like Alcaraz, as we mentioned. We have Ben Shelton, Lorenzo Musetti, Holger Rune, Cam Norio. Um, Cam Norio. We have Francis Tiafo and Sebastian Corda, among others. Uh, so do check out those tournaments. We have in Berlin on the women's. Um, also have uh, Maria Sakkari, Bianca Andreescu, uh, Veronika Kudermetova, who might also be a factor on the grass. She's pretty good on grass. Um, we have also Caroline Garcia and probably the favorite for Wimbledon this year, uh, Elena Rybakina. So good event in Berlin uh, on the women as well. Um, and in, I guess, a smaller event in Birmingham, I guess, uh, we also have, um, I guess, the, the biggest players to mention here is Barbora Krachikova. is a top seed. Um, but we have other young players like Linda Fubertova, uh, who is there as well. Um, actually, she absolutely crushed Vitolina, which is something we should have mentioned from the French Open oh, as a big story. Um, right. Vitolina being like a big factor in the French. Um, but she got crushed by... Linda Ferretova. It was like 6'2", 6'2", or something like that. Uh, so not sure what to read into that because Ferretova has been hyped up as a, you know, probably a great talent moving forward. So we'll see. But she's there uh, in the Birmingham event, so you should catch her uh, if you can. Um, and that is uh, pretty much it. Um, and I think we can start wrapping up. Uh, the next time we, we get together, we will talk about... Um, some of the most important things that happened uh, during the grass season. Uh, but we will be getting together to talk about the preview of Wimbledon. So we'll be out for maybe another week. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll come back in, in two weeks. Sounds great. All cool. Right. Well, if you like what you hear, um, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app um, so that you can receive all the new episodes as they become live. We're on Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and most other podcasting platforms. So leave us a rating and a review. We would appreciate your feedback. Um, and we're also on Twitter and Reddit at Point by Point Pod and YouTube at Point by Point Tennis Podcast. And with that, let's wrap up another episode. Thanks. Let's do it. Everyone. Thank you, everybody. Yep. Thanks for listening.